Jenny? Um, I don't know if that's you. That didn't sound like you. But, you know, it's a funny world where machines could replace people. Whoever that was, um, tell Jenny that Regina called her. And P.S. I can't believe what you did. All the ever times points in one direction, says I don't need you physically around. I've got your voice on tape. I've got your words in me. I don't want anything else. I don't want anyone else. Thing that I have, but I drop. All that I have, but I drop. I want you back and forth. I want you up and down. I want you inside Drawing the Short Straw, a collection of flash fiction by Mark Hammerschmidt. Whiskey. Pedro sleeps in late and wonders what Maria's thinking. He imagines her yearning for him, showering and lusting. He gets up and has a shot of cheap whiskey, the sale of the week, hair of the dog. Tonight he will look for her and ask her to dance, push himself into her body, feel her hips sway as she rubs against him, feels him. He'll kiss her neck. Taste the salt from her sweat, inhale, breathe in her perfume, her shampoo. He'll walk her home and lick her tattoo, wake up in the morning naked beside her, roll the dice and start again. Current Events 
Every day, he cuts an article from the paper and places it between plastic and a three-ring binder. He's done this for years, his bookshelves lined with current events. Someday, he supposes, when he's old and has time, he'll start with the first book and read through to the last, remembering. Chances are, though, they will sit unopened, and the landlord will set them in the pile for recycling next to the pile for goodwill with the rest of his things. Windows Marlin cleaned the windows of his office. He had to do it himself now. The kid he hired to clean the office never touched them. Sixteen years old and white. What did he know of cleaning? Carmen always did the windows, always made sure the sun came through and filtered, not even one spot. Carmen was gone now. Marlin coped as best he could. He wondered how she was, if she was readjusting to her life back in Mexico, reunited with family, if she swept dirt floors out of habit. He was going to fire the new kid. He'd made up his mind. The state of the windows was unacceptable. How could he relax without unfiltered sun? He could see spots, shadows on his desk. What did a 16-year-old white kid know of cleaning? When Marlin finished the windows, he lay down for a nap. It was all he could do. Stars. She's lived in the city her whole life. She's heard of stars but never seen them. Believes in them like she believes in Santa Claus. Trusts her teachers like she trusts her mother when she says, maybe tonight we will eat. She dreams of ice skating on Saturn's rings and glides across the kitchen in her socks. Tomorrow she'll fly out of here. She closes her eyes and prays. Migraine. When the weather changes, her head explodes. Brain against bone, pressure in the eyes, the world blurred as she goes through her day, her dreams interrupted by lightning bolts and rain. For a few hours, she feels nothing. She can focus on life. She can love freely. She can smile and laugh, but it never lasts. A chill wind brings with it armies. They trample her head. They dig in deep and hold for the night in her reason. They fight against the noise that infiltrates from behind enemy lines. She clenches her teeth and holds still under the bed and Frank in the attic, just waiting to be saved. Daydream. Estella reads the Bible she stole from a motel she visited as a child. She daydreams about rebelling against her husband and looking back at the flames that engulf her home, about spitting in Lot's face, then turning into salt, about feeling God transform her flesh back to particles, to minerals, about loving herself and others above all else. She traces her fingers along the embossed letters on the cover. She will never be like Gideon, living only to serve God. Instead, she is the whore of Babylon, leading the Antichrist to her bed. She daydreams that there is no other choice. Fairy Tales When Goldilocks met up with Little Red, they had a few drinks and laughed about how stupid men are. They traded stories of their conquests. After happy hour, they both put on lipstick and head toward ladies' night. They will let bears and wolves buy them drinks. They will bat their eyes and lick their lips. They will giggle and touch elbows. They will go home to their woodsmen, knowing that they've still got it. The Fall of Troy 
Maria inspires armies, inspires men to tear down the walls of Troy. But tonight, she just wants to drink, to not pay a dime, and maybe find Pedro and take him up on his offer to make her feel more like a woman than any man has ever been capable of doing. This she doesn't believe is possible, but she'll let him try. If she can find him in the crowd, if he'll buy her a few shots, if he'll walk her home and carry her up to her apartment, if he'll undress her in the dark and kiss her ever so gently on the lips and whisper in her ear that he's always loved her and has waited a thousand hours for this very moment. And she'll let him slip inside and understand what it means to surrender his life to the cause. Discovery. She screams, bite me, at the water, then runs through the sprinklers, soaking her red hair and white shirt. Ben, 13 years old and flooded with newfound manhood, can do nothing but stare, mouth agape. This she notices and stops in the middle of the yard, completely aware of her newly arrived womanhood. She lets him stare, can see movement in his pants, discovery of strength. Time held hostage. Unwilling to negotiate with terrorists, these hours held hostage by the second hand have been left for dead. No SWAT team was called, no six o'clock news, no Daily Herald or community newsletter covered the event. Slip. Harold slipped between Christmas and New Year's. He didn't exactly see his life flash before his eyes, but relived a moment or two from the previous week. In traction, though, he had plenty of time to think back over his life, to make resolutions, to promise himself to do better, to make plans for the future that he knew he'd never go through with. At midnight, he watched the ball drop in Times Square. His mother served him champagne through a straw. He hated her for helping him, for never letting him be alone. When the cast came off, the hints of spring washed his memory like bleach, a clean slate, ready for mistakes to be made again. The Dance She wears papier-mâché wings and looks at him and imagines he wears wings too. She closes her eyes and sees his halo, imagines him kissing her softly on the lips. She opens them and watches him drink punch from a paper cup and laugh nervously with his friends. He wants so much to dance but hopes nobody asks him as she prays for him to ask her but doesn't want to dance. She goes home and kisses her pillow. Plastic Roses Lupe shows her cards, a flush. Donald licks his lips and stares at her chest as he unzips his pants. This night is not going exactly as planned. The Gray Cat The Gray Cat smiled at her shadow, then purred herself to sleep. And when you say that a cat can't smile, I'll tell you that I saw it with my own eyes. The corners of her lips curled up in joy at the presence of herself in silhouette. Then she closed her eyes to nap, content with her place in life, and she slept with the reassured comfort that her guardian would protect her, until I turned on the faucet and she opened one, one eye and stopped purring. Hair When he lies in bed at night, David feels like Moses drifting down the Nile. He watches the sun through the bulrushes as he glides toward the Pharaoh's daughter. One day he himself might speak to God in a burning bush, or part his hair like the Red Sea, or hand over the Torah as imminent law. 
but right now he's an infant, unaware of his brush with death, open to the world before him, waiting for the maidservant to pluck him from the reeds. In the morning, he will eat cold cereal and pick up his hard hat as he walks out the door, 40 hours a week in the wilderness. Football. The Flint's mailbox was the first down, the Olsen's driveway the end zone. Sometimes I'd run faster than the defender, they couldn't get two hands on me. I'd waltz in for the touchdown, Sunday afternoon heroics. But sometimes I'd have an off game, and we'd be forced to punt, which really means that you threw it so a wild kick wouldn't go through a window. Everybody would stop when someone yelled, CAR! It was like waiting for security to grab a streaker. Paris in the spring. I dream of spending springtime in Paris and never going to the Eiffel Tower, never even seeing it in the distance. The same goes with St. Louis and that big arch thing or Rome and the cathedrals. I hang out in the underground pubs and hope someone knows English so the locals don't laugh at me. And even if they do laugh at me, I don't care as long as the bartender understands whiskey and keep them coming because a full glass of whiskey is the only way I know to keep a dream a dream and out of the categories of I used to think about and never gonna happen. Last night. In the morning she wonders if last night really happened. She presses two fingers on her wrist to feel for a pulse. She dresses and leaves without saying a word. Before lunch, she calls his apartment to see if he remembers. No answer. She eats polpatine de mare and washes it down with a glass of vernaccia di San Gimagno. She forgets to leave a tip. After dinner, she rings the bell to see if he'll come out. The lights are off. The windows are dark. She goes to the club and meets up with some friends. In the morning, she wonders if last night really happened. Ghost Dance Pedro dances with Maria. She's in rare form tonight. Her dress floats around her body like a ghost. Pedro's ghosts aren't so visible. He hides them deep inside. Sweat drips from his face, determined. Anthony watches from a nearby table, through the corner of his eye, waiting. Other men's lazy boys. After he fixes the water heater, he will take her in her husband's lazy boy. Not because he wants to, but because he has to. It's where he finds his self-esteem. It's where he gets back at the bully. It's where he sticks his middle finger to the system. At night, after a couple beers, he watches the game and goes to bed alone. Tomorrow he will go back trying to stop holes in the dam with his fingers. Lost. That year I'm in the eighth grade and falling in love. We're in Ms. Johnson's history class together. Ms. Johnson is known by her students as Lonnie because of her personalized license plates, which according to student myth is the name of her lover. Nobody likes Ms. Johnson. She goes out of her way to embarrass students and sends anyone who calls her Miss rather than Ms. accidentally or not out to the hall. Charlotte sits in the next row one desk ahead of me. On warm days, she wears a tank top and I can see the side of her breast before it disappears under her bra. I spend many class periods and many hours after imagining heaven. 
I love the way her, her brunette hair bounces off her freckled shoulders, the way her smile makes my problems all fade, the softness of her voice saying here during roll call. And I imagine her looking at me like she feels the same way. That year I learned nothing about history. Home. Billy grinds against Liz. He calls it passion on the dance floor. Liz feels him getting hard against her, knows that he's hers, can make him believe in God if it will serve her purpose. Tonight it won't be necessary. She pushes herself into him, leans in close, tastes the sweat on his neck, whispers in his ear, take me home. Ice cream. The ice cream stained the concrete where she dropped it years before. The rain was no match for chocolate baked in by the summer sun. She stood and stared at it, looking for the Virgin Mary or Elvis. All she saw was ice cream. She closes her eyes and looks through her eyelids. She doesn't remember that day, only every day since. In Spain, Catherine eats butterfly wings. She likes the blue ones best. They leave a light tint on her lips that makes her look cold or dead. Jonas ate a cockroach once. He thought it was bitter. He likes fried ants though, especially seasoned with sage. Catherine and Jonas both like wine. Catherine likes Zinfandel. Jonas thinks it's too sweet. He likes something drier. They both like to fall asleep drunk and dream of Spain. Maybe after dinner they will talk or make love. and Maybe tonight they will fall asleep naked and dream of the sea. They will hold hands and walk along the shore. They will spend eternity in each other's eyes. They will find peace in each other's arms. When they wake up, they will set off in search of insects. Son of a. The dead end he grew up on was a figure of speech, but somehow we always knew he would never amount to much. He was his father's son, a son of a son of a bitch, destined to live through history repeating itself. At the end, he felt no regrets. He didn't know any better. The window. Viv cuts out Stephen's heart and eats it for dinner. She fries it up in butter and serves it with a nice Cabernet, the bottle she's saved all year. She eats alone by the window, watches the lights dance across the lake, imagines herself a reflection drifting on the surface, carried by the waves. Viv finishes the wine and retires to the bedroom. Under silk sheets, she dreams of the next life, of dancing in castles, of driving nice cars. With the new day she forgets, gets dressed, goes to work, comes home and fries a heart, and eats it alone by the window. Drifting. At the Grand Canyon he thought about jumping, such a beautiful place to soar like an eagle. At Niagara Falls he thought about diving, such a beautiful place to plunge like a honeymooner. At Mount Rushmore he thought about carving himself into stone, such a beautiful place to become immortal. Everywhere it was the same. He just wanted to fit in. On the phone, his mother made him promise to remain himself, to stay calm, to not do anything drastic. In motel beds and backs of cars, he dreamed of greatness. He wanted to outdo Columbus and find India in the West. He wanted to fly through the Bermuda Triangle and have lunch with Amelia Earhart. He wanted to travel to Loch Ness and take pictures that would change the world. With the sunrise, he traveled onward. 
under sheets. After dark, we dressed up like angels and ran through city streets in sheets and wings. We knelt down at altars made of garbage bags and drinking fountains and small bronze sculptures. In the park, we watched satellites and told each other our dreams and secrets and counted the minutes until morning. On the lawn outside the house, we watched the sunrise, then drifted off to sleep, drunk on each other. We were children once. We are children now. We hide in our past. We refuse to grow old. Tonight, after dark, we will dress up like ghosts and haunt our past lovers. We will carve out tomorrow with a knife and two sheets. Red. He spits up blood into the toilet, watches it float in the water like oil, thinks about last night and the long walk home, thinks about tonight and dancing with Maria. Billy keeps telling him everything will work out. Pedro wishes he could believe him. His chest burns from drinking rat poison, the whole goddamn bottle. He closes his eyes and dreams in color. 1973-2 Each Sunday I read the obituaries and take note of whose time was up and who left too soon. I try to figure out how the young ones died, passed away due to complications, returned to the loving arms of God after a long battle, tragically taken. I don't spend as much time with the old people. I know why they've gone. They've had enough and finally decided to get the hell out of here. As I read these, I wonder what mine will be like. What will the writer of it say? Then I just hope that nobody bothers writing one for me. I don't want some curious reader to decipher the code and figure out the reasons my life was sadly taken too soon. And I like to think of acquaintances saying, I wonder whatever happened to that guy. To them, I'll still be alive out there, living my life as a face in the crowd, another number in the world, another vague memory of their past. Not a blurry photograph in the paper with a paragraph or two attempting to make me sound kind and as having made an impact on the world. The writer's attempt to bring meaning to it all. Silence. Maria dances with ghosts. Feels them swirl about her legs. Pedro dances with reckless abandon, throws punches in the air. Something is missing that night. Music. Wings. A catalog for new wings came in the mail today. I'm not interested. I'm content with the wings I've got. With the broken left tip and the old joints that creak and dirt from a thousand years of mistakes. Quiet now. He copes with not drinking by pacing the house. Replaces alcohol with footsteps. Avoidance with thought. Forgetting with memory. Sleep with voices. They grow louder with every passing day. Without the drink to make them mute. Without the elixir to chase away the dreams that remind him he will never escape himself. He doesn't crave the buzz, but the quiet it brings. The hush that falls over the crowd that now rages like bloodthirsty spectators of the Colosseum, screaming for the head of the gladiator, praying for the lions to rip him to shreds, chanting for a hero who will hold his ground for only a moment. He stands tall long enough to hear his name echo through the stands, then surrenders himself to the beast.
stalemate. Jules knows the quickest way to a man's heart is through his zipper. Thomas cooks her pasta, tosses the salad, pours the wine. He knows the quickest way to her zipper is through her heart. After dinner, he turns on music, lights a candle, stares into her eyes with all the intensity he can find. Jules plays the game even though she wants him inside of her. She kisses him on the lips and tells him she has to go. Music. He opens his mouth and speaks in guitar. She speaks in piano. They look into each other's eyes and finally understand. Together, they rise above words. Train tracks. She's never met anybody else named Boris. He's tall with strong shoulders. She wishes her name was Natasha so she could say something clever like, we were made for each other. She thinks about plotting with him to take over the world. Instead, she cooks him steak in a frying pan and serves it with instant potatoes. She stares at him through smoke and grease as he chews through tough meat bought on sale. She stares at his arms, his hair, his eyes. She wonders what he looked like when he was younger. She feels his pain through the wrinkles on his face, wants to absorb the tension held tight in his neck, wants to erase everything and let him start new with her. Boris the Great lurches down the hall. She waits for him to make her his queen. Suck. When he hears a suck, he finally gets up and goes to the window, looks through the blinds and sees nothing. Suck. Looks again and notices all his past lovers lining the street. Suck. Looks closer and sees his sins playing hopscotch on the sidewalk. Suck. Closer still, he realizes his life is just a mirage. Baby. She calls him baby and he pretends to like it. Really just wants to watch TV and fuck. He calls her honey and can't look at himself in a mirror. The guys in the field would crucify him if they knew. Their way of masking their own sensitivities of being men. Hunters and Carhartts wielding hammers and drills. At home, his wife dreams of real men, of orgasms and champagne. She sits on the edge of the bed and watches the morning exercise shows, skips breakfast, eats a, eats a big lunch. At night, they almost talk, watch TV, sleep in clothes, forget to dream. The joke. The joke is in your hand. That's what it said on the wall above the urinal. I looked down, then back up at the wall and said, yeah, you're probably right. The man next to me zipped up his pants and left without looking at me or washing his hands. Close. Standing naked in the wind, he feels tomorrow blowing in. Through the window, she sleeps unknowing, or does she? The moon burns skin and reveals his intent. Headlights fill lungs as he struggles to breathe. A dog barks and he jumps the other side of the fence. Why is it he sweats when he's so close to heaven, separated by brick and air and 10,000 reasons? The telephone informs her the truth. Bruises. Tina runs in circles around the backyard. She's burning off energy, built up frustration. Matt watches from the kitchen window. He thinks she's crazy. One day he'll tell her, but not today. He's saving it for a special occasion. When she finally feels like she's run enough, she stops and drinks from the hose. Rubber metallic. 
She dreams about Matt slapping her on the thighs with it, leaving bruises so she remembers the pain. She thinks he's dead inside. She'll tell him today. Beyond. She's an angel. I'm a ghost. We meet in the ether between this world and space, between time and forgetting, between tonight and forever. She is beyond me. I am stuck here. A miracle, a haunt, a wish. Feet. It doesn't feel like driving, more like flying or gliding. In the dark, the road looks like space or water. The lights in the distance look like planets or lighthouses. Even as he creeps closer to home, he runs from the past. It nips at his heels, digs its anchor into dirt, grits its teeth and holds on tight. He sticks his arm out of the window. The wind chills him to the bone. He cuts out pieces of night and lets them shatter behind him in the street, moving forward into black. At home, he'll find a blanket or feet. Drawing straws. Gibb suggested they draw straws. Jimmy thought that whoever held the straws had the advantage, so he wanted to hold the straws. Gibb said that it was his idea, so he would hold the straws. Lance thought they should flip a coin, but who would toss it and who would call it in the air? Gibb said Susie could toss it. Jimbo and Lance said that Susie was out because Gibb fucked Susie on the regular basis. And in the end, nobody took the shot. Mr. Hart called from his cell phone. None of them would see tomorrow. Mothers would wonder what happened, where they went wrong. Bathtub Reality In a universe where Sleeping Beauty plays with Spider-Man, I turn on hot water to wash dirt and candy from the faces and hair of children returned to reality for ten minutes of bath. As they soak in steam clouds, their secret identity is revealed beneath chocolate and grime, dripping like makeup from the faces of princesses and superheroes. Then a rush back to Playland, where the game has been changed by the entrance of pajamas, and now they are pixies and robots and elves, bound together in a universe collectively imagined. And when sleep overcomes them and they spread out across floors and couches and blankets, they dream of worlds without cares and lives before pain, where plastic shoes don't make you slip on hard floors. And in the morning, as we sit around the table eating breakfast together as a family, they are no longer children, but little adults, eagerly awaiting their turn to grow up. Log Haven. Pedro doesn't mind Maria's snoring. He's strangely turned on by it, wakes up at night and feels safe, protected. Maria can't stand Pedro's restless legs. She wishes he'd go home some night so she can rest. Pedro's love of Maria's snores are stronger than Maria's de detestation of Pedro's feet. Pedro listens to her saw, saw logs and kicks his feet. Someday. The Christ she believes in spits at the cross looks down at the holes in his hands and curses God. She prays to him and begs for his mercy. She knows he understands her pain, has been there, has worn her daily sorrow as a crown of thorns, has washed the feet of her husband and brought her children back from the dead, longed for love and found it forbidden. Someday she will die and stand at his side, bake him some cookies, get stoned and laugh through the night, shake her hips and let him love, forbidden. My grandmother at 20. 
My grandmother sits in her wheelchair, a wrinkled artifact, an ancient monument to the picture on the end table. I've never known her without white hair or being called grandma or mom or wife. I've never known this woman in the picture with dark hair and a hint of the devil in her eyes showing just a little bit of leg. She has always been part of the landscape of my life, never a real player, and as I sit with anxiety as my own children run dangerously close to her Tiffany lamp, I am struck with the notion that I am well on my way to the same obscurity. My grandmother at 20 has long since passed, given up the starring role to be part of the backdrop, as we all do when our children and grandchildren move into the spotlight, and only come around every so often to pretend to listen to our stories of when we were people too with our lives out before us, the devil in our eyes. Vanish. We watch them from the backyard. Nana says they're UFOs. Papa laughs and says they're planes. I climb the fence to get a better look, to get closer to the sky. I prefer Nana's theory. I spread my arms and yell, hey, hey, I'm right here, come and get me. Both Nana and Papa laugh. They think I'm joking. When the lights instantly vanish, Nana looks at Papa and smiles like she knows. Dishwasher. Eleanor washes dishes by hand because she doesn't have a dishwasher. Her grandchildren find this odd and have difficulty grasping the concept of living such a life. Eleanor cracks jokes about being a human dishwasher, equates herself to a machine, feels like she's breaking down in need of new parts or destined for the junkyard. When the dishes are dry and put away, she sits at the window and looks out at the taillights growing distant in the dark, away from her, toward modern luxuries. Third Eye He breathed deeply in long, concentrated breaths. He stared hard from the inside, through his third eye, saw through to the other side. His soul dared not leave the body without a roadmap or a guide, so he stayed inside flesh and bone and longed for a universe that lay just beyond the screen, but chose the life he knew, which he knew would amount to nothing. Someday he will let go, when his body gives him no choice. Gypsy Looking down at his teeth in the sink, he realized that he was aging in reverse. He rinsed his mouth and finished packing, did the hotel lights make his skin appear yellow, or was that how the outside world saw him too? Hookless hangers on the bed, tiny bottles of shampoo in the side pocket of his suitcase, a sewing kit. On the shuttle bus, he realized he didn't make it into the city, just inside of buildings in the industrial park. Maybe he will see it from the air. At home, his kids await souvenir trinkets pur purchased at the airport of sights he'll tell them he saw brimstone. When she smelled sulfur, she thought she'd taken a wrong turn. It wasn't quite as she imagined, but close enough. Then her past lives greeted her in a line of high fives. They put their hands together and gave a team cheer. One of her former selves handed her a pickaxe and showed her how to swing it to avoid a painful vibration. Don't I get another chance? Don't I get another life? Her former selves all laughed. They'd been that naive once, too. Feeding the dogs. I'm going out to feed the dogs. If I don't return, it's because I've turned into a star and drifted off into the sky. Share oxygen. 
Drowning in my own blood, we share oxygen and float to the surface. My ears ring with angel voices, and in the background, television cries out for help, not wanting to be forgotten when we leave for the weekend. I can't see your face in the dark. The only light from stars because the moon rises in the day and looks down on a desert like a painting. But I can hear you breathe, and I inhale as you exhale, life support for an inadequate heart. There are no plans or drugs to cure this heat, and I just want to sleep, to slip under the wake and slide down into the smooth, glassy lake. But you won't let me. You cling to hair and skin and spirit and never give up. You whisper in my ear, you are loved. Memories. Sometimes in bed they come to visit. He lies perfectly still and, still and watches his memories play out. His life replaying before his eyes at a painful pace. A slow death, he thinks. He remembers all the people he used to be. They sit and visit and reminisce. Sometimes he asks them to leave when they get impolite. Sometimes he tolerates it. Tonight he lets them be. They pull no punches. Autumn. Sammy rakes up leaves and hopes they won't blow away before Bruce comes home. She doesn't want to put them in bags. The thought of cold mildew and rot makes her tired, like she could just go inside and sleep away the fall. When Bruce comes home, he picks up the leaves. He wears gloves and his old shirt. Sammy will reward him later, after he showers away the smell of decay. Light. Pedro closes his eyes and imagines the end. He dreams of fireworks shows and intense white heat. Maria stands over him and kisses him on the head. She says a prayer to the Blessed Virgin. He opens his eyes and inhales her words, takes them into his lungs and holds them. Pedro says he sees God in everything, in everyone. Maria smiles and tells him she loves him. Pedro smiles back and lets go. Disappointment at the lack of light. After. It's not like he imagined, but not completely unfamiliar. No family or gate, just space and thought. Next time, he will do things differently. One of us is right One of us is wrong
and go You are my voice, my microphone You are my voice, so take me on You are my voice, you are my is wrong